0: Welcome to the Fabulous 413. I'm Khalise Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. Later in the show, Musical World's Collide, a Collider Fest. We'll talk with Collider Fest curator Ido Moore about this weekend's festival at the Bombic Center for the Arts and Equity in Florence. And we'll hear about the innovative business model Ido is using to bring more music from around the globe
1: here to Western Mass. But first. It's time for our weekly check-in with U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts and the ranking member of the Rules Committee, Congressman Jim McGovern, in a segment we like to call McGoverning with McGovern. You can always send in your questions and comments to thefab413 at nepm.org or text them at 1-800-639-9120, and we'll get to a, a listener question in just a little bit. But I was somewhat tickled by the headline, at least, despite the fact that what the story contains from the Boston Globe today, even by Washington standards, Wednesday was one weird day and it has to do with (laughs) with diane feinstein after a long battle of an illness returning to capitol hill it has to do with george santos your colleague in the house of representatives and a fabulist which is my new most fabulous favorite word pleading not guilty to charges of fraud and money laundering and then there was the off the rails by some people's estimation off the rails cnn town hall meeting last night Rapid fire before we get into more politics from our backyards, Congressman, on those three stories. First, with uh, the return of Diane Feinstein, is, is it time for her to go, as some members of your party have said, or is this a decision that should be left to her?
2: Well, I mean, she ultimately has to make the decision. Um, and um, my view is if you can't function uh, and if you can't do your job, then you ought to think about stepping aside, having the governor appoint somebody, temporarily until the next election and um you know and uh, you know and 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 in the case of diane feinstein look she's had an incredible career she's done some amazing things and things that you know are how you make a, a, a great legacy and so you know i it's i i think it's sad that she's doesn't seem to be able to function but we'll see i mean she's back and We'll see how things go. But if she can't do her job, she ought to move aside.
1: Now, did you watch any of the CNN town hall debate from New Hampshire yesterday? And this, of course, coming off of the heels of the liable verdict in the Eugene Carroll case earlier this week with the former president who is on the campaign trail.
2: I saw some of the clips on the news and it's unhinged and, and just ridiculous, but at the same time, scary. The idea that this man, who is a pathological liar. Uh, who uh, is unhinged uh, is the front runner for the Republicans uh, in the presidential uh, election. I, I, I it, it's it's just scary to think that this guy who uh, who's caused so much damage to this country has the possibility of not only being the Republican nominee but being the president of the United States. And so, yeah, I mean, on one hand, it was ridiculous. On the other hand, it was really scary to me.
1: And. Your colleague, George Santos, the so-called fabulous, the Republican congressman from New York. I'm assuming because you're in the same chamber that you've had to have at least some interaction with George Santos. And then yesterday pleading not guilty to a litany of fraud and money laundering charges in federal court, yet still plans to run again. Uh, Your take on Congressman Santos. I I believe you were trying to name a bill after him yesterday on the House floor from what I I witnessed. Yeah, I
2: mean... Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Republicans had a bill that would was supposedly going after uh, fraud and, and, and unemployment insurance, uh, which is not a huge issue, uh, but it would basically target a lot of people, you know, low-income and middle-income people who relied on uh, unemployment insurance during the, uh, the pandemic. It was going to crack down on them, but uh, it would have eliminate, eliminated funding that would, investigated the fraud that exposed George Santos. So, look... He, he's a disgrace. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how else to describe it. And I, I can't believe that he would get reelected. I can't even believe, even by Republican standards, that they would uh, reelect him as...
3: Uh-oh.
1: Hey, I don't know
2: what happened. Did, did, we get, did I get cut off?
1: Or I don't I know off? what happened either. I'll just... <laughs> What do you? I thought you um, hung up heard, on me. I'm so mad about George Santos. Click. I heard beep beep beep. I didn't know. That. I didn't know. That. I'm sorry. Where were we? Uh, yeah, by Republican standards, even uh, you were surprised. Yeah, I, right.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I can't believe he would get the Republican nom- nomination again. Because even by Republican standards, this guy is, you know, I mean, it's just horrific, and um, he's an embarrassment and you know, I think he probably, you know, needs to seek some sort of support services because this is just not, you know, normal by any measure of the word. So
1: I, I, don't, I don't even
2: know what to say. But are are your
1: Republican colleagues um, either publicly or privately decrying George Santos, especially now that even so early in his time here in the House, he's been charged with so many counts? Privately,
2: they've been decrying him for quite some time, mm-hmm. even well before this. I mean, but publicly, they all seem to back him. Although I think Kevin McCarthy suggested that maybe they need to find somebody else to run for that seat. But the bottom line is they need him because he's, I mean, he was their key vote on, the, uh, on their default on America bill a couple of weeks ago. He was a key vote to give Kevin McCarthy the speakership. So, you know, he's, he's a reliable ally. For, for them. Um, and he's a, he's a great friend of of the, of the MAGA wing of the Republican Party. I mean, he sits with Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and, and that gang uh, during votes. And so, I mean, it's, it's just really sad that somebody like him um, is in a position of power in the United States Congress. And um, again, yesterday was just a, another
1: reminder of why he really shouldn't be here. You mentioned what the Democrats have been calling the default on America, Bill. It has to do with the raising of the debt ceiling. And uh, one of our questions is from Tom Bassett, formerly of the company called Beat Fog Nozzle, which I think is the greatest band name uh, in the Valley, perhaps, but now retired in Florence, uh, wishing us all a good day and asking what your strategy is to get the debt ceiling raised before we go into full-blown default. And more specifically, how can voters of Massachusetts assist to influence the passage of the debt limit? And how likely is the workaround, the discharge petition process, to be a a winning strategy?
2: Well, the discharge petition is kind of a long shot, but there are other procedural measures that we might employ to try to force a vote uh, on the debt ceiling. My hope is that Kevin McCarthy will allow a debt ceiling bill uh, Come to the floor, and we can have a debate and vote on it. And if we and if we do, I, it, it will pass. Uh, Mitch McConnell has indicated that defaulting on our debt is unacceptable, um, but the Republicans in the House seem to think it's not a big deal. I mean, you heard Donald Trump last night say, it's "Not a big deal," and that we that's okay. There will only be a a day long thing that people would uh, that it wouldn't really disadvantage the markets very significantly. Well, it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, we came close to defaulting before, and it impacted our credit rating. So, if you actually default, there are consequences. And again, th- this shouldn't even be the subject of a negotiation. I-, I mean, when Donald Trump was president, he said, "Hey, look, you know, this this is sacred. We we shouldn't play politics with that." He was asked about it last night at the town hall, and his response was, yeah, that was- I was president. So That's always different." I mean, this is you-, you can't make this stuff up. But the bottom line is. We should not be setting a precedent where this is a political football. And if you don't like the bills you have accumulated, then don't accumulate the bills. This is about paying our bills. That's all this is about, bills that we have accumulated. And I will also remind people that 25% of our debt, of our nation's debt, was accumulated under the Trump administration. So my Republican friends had nothing to say about the debt then. I mean, we raised the issue. That's one of the reasons why we fought against his tax cuts that added $2 trillion to the to the debt. But now all of a sudden, you know, they want to use this as a tool not to revisit the tax cuts, not to look at the bloated military budget, but to cut programs like food programs and nutrition programs for poor people to go after veterans' health benefits, uh, to go after programs to help make sure people have affordable housing i mean it is it is immoral what they're trying to do but i would just say uh, that one of the things that people can do is you know if you have friends and relatives in other states call them and have them call their members of congress and say vote to increase the debt ceiling uh because we have to we have to do that i mean we have to pay our bills america pays its bills
1: Another big issue that is happening today is Title 42 is ending. It's the order that allowed authorities to expel migrants at the U.S. borders, and it was part of the uh, U.S. code that allowed the CDC director to issue it. It was ostensibly to keep um, the virus out of the country to the best of our ability, but it was used as a political tool in regards to immigration, Uh, according to the new rules now under the Biden administration that will take over today, people that will cross the border without papers will be banned from entering the U.S. for five years. They could face felony charges. It'll disqualify immigrants from protection if they don't request refugee status in another nation before coming to the southern border. It would not apply to unaccompanied children. But it sounds very similar to the Trump administration rule that was deemed illegal by a federal court. Yeah. Most Democrats uh, oppose that under Trump. Do you oppose it now that it's been put forward by the Democratic Biden White House?
2: I do. I mean, I, look, at, I think our immigration laws are all screwed up and we need to revamp them. And we've been saying this for a year uh, and it has become politically impossible because the issue gets demagogued and demagogued and demagogued for people to come together and do what's right. We need to make it easier for people to come here legally we need to uphold our asylum laws. I mean, if you have a well-founded fear of persecution, if you're fleeing violence, if we send you back, you'll be killed. You ought to be able to get refuge here, um, and um, and so um, and you know, and we need to have a policy that is you know compassionate to children who are coming here as well. But look, the other thing is that you know, rather than just talking about immigration, you know, every time there's a, appears to be a crisis, how about we? try to have a discussion about why people are coming here. Um, And the deal is some of our policies are contributing to the um, economic hardships and the civil unrest in a lot of countries in Latin America. Uh, So, you know, let's lift the embargo on Cuba. Let's take them off our terrorist list. I was in front
1: of your office on last Friday where the Anti-Imperialist Action Committee were there uh, protesting. I mean, I don't know if they're actually protesting you or the whole concept, but it had to do with Cuba and our policies yeah. towards well, them, as well as yeah. Venezuela, we, we
2: we 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 need we need we need to revisit our sanctions of Venezuela. We need we need to try, try to influence governments like El Salvador, where you have an authoritarian leader who is you know arresting people en masse. I mean, there's there's a reason why people are coming here. Um, look what's the situation in Haiti, and we and, you know and I mean we need to figure out constructive ways to help you know calm the violence in Haiti. But we don't talk about those things. And if you're not going to talk about those things and solve those things, then people will continue to amass at our border. Um, I mean, people come here at a great expense and a great risk to their lives and the lives of of their family members because they feel they have no other alternative. So it's not that they, they have nothing to do this weekend, so let's go try to cross the border and come to the United States. It's because they're fleeing... And they're leaving very difficult situations. So let us, let, us, let us, as we get through these next few days, let us all try to reflect on how we can influence the situation in Latin America so that we're not seeing conditions internally that force people to leave.
1: You had a visit at the Capitol this week from the kids from the Hartsbrook School in Hadley. We walk right by their school every year on the march for the food bank. What was the Hartsbrook School visit all about? And what were those kids most interested in learning about while they were in Washington, D.C.? Oh,
2: yeah. First of all, it was an incredible visit. These young people are are brilliant and they give me great hope for the future. Um, and they had, you know, really important questions about you know, a lot of things uh, that were happening in the world, everything from climate change to immigration to uh, social justice issues. And, you know, and it's great to welcome young people to Washington. And, and my hope is when they come here that they, you know, they, they feel like, you know, it, it just, this is something that they need to care about, not just now, but for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I think some of our future leaders were probably in that class that came down and, uh, and visited me. So it's a great school, great teachers, great students, and I I really enjoyed our our, our meeting.
1: You were also at Hampshire Pride this past Saturday, the first one live and in person since the pandemic began. What was your take and assessment on the return of that event that uh, ended right near your uh, downtown Northampton offices?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was magnificent. I mean, I I had a a great time. Uh, Lots of people showed up, and the crowd was enthusiastic. I talked to, like, hundreds of people who were just so happy to, to be at pride in person. Um, and, uh, and it was, it was a perfect day. We had a, a lousy rainy chilly week. And then, you know, on that Saturday, the sun came out, it was just beautiful. Um, and I, 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 I had one of the best times of the year, uh, there and, uh, to all the organizers, uh, uh, you know, congratulations on a, on a job well done and to all the thousands of people that showed up. I mean, uh, it's just great to see everybody
1: U.S. Congressman from the 2nd Congressional District of Massachusetts and the chair of the Rules Committee our weekly conversation, McGoverning with McGovern, you can send us a question at Fab 413 at org or text it at 1-800-639-9120 we'll talk to you again next week Congressman, thank you so much all the best, be safe don't hang up on me in the middle of the next conversation though
2: I I, I don't think that was my fault, I don't know maybe <laughs> I, uh, <so.
1: laughs> Could be me. We've been I, having I, technical I, difficulties, so who knows? All
2: right. All right. All right. I'll talk
0: to you next week. Coming up Afrobeat, Rumbar, Merengue, Yoropo, Ethiopian groove, and a musical genre that we'll learn to pronounce that could be perfect for your Scrabble board. We'll talk with Ito Moore, the curator of this weekend's Collider Fest, happening at Bombix in Florence this weekend. You're listening to the Fabulous 413 on
3: NEPM. The whole premise of Collider Fest is can. Americans listen to music the way they eat food.
1: hmm I love that.
3: <laughs> I love that, too. <laughs> because it's like we eat everything, right? It's like other countries you go, and the one, everyone eats one thing. But in the U.S., we eat Mexican food, Thai food, Ethiopian food, and we're, we're very aware, and we cook it at home, and we have this beautiful culture around it that's due to all this immigrant culture in this country that comes in and feeds that. But the music doesn't always, it doesn't seem like it's as easy for people to get into hearing new things, tasting new things through their ears, um, but it's equally nourishing. And so, you know, I'm kind of challenging that idea, seeing if, if we can get people around to listening to more new things.
1: This Friday and Saturday at Bombix Center for Arts and Equity in Florence is Collider Fest 2, the second edition, and joining us is the curator of the Collider, Ido Moore. What kind of musical food will we be experiencing this Friday and Saturday at, at Bombix?
3: So we've got on Friday, we have Amayo, who's formerly of Antibolis, uh playing music from Nigeria, Felakuti's music. Got came to this country when he was 17 on a soccer scholarship uh, and wound up in this Afrobeat band that we know and love. Uh, He left the band this, this past year and we're really excited to support his new project. He's always felt like the core of the band to me personally. Um, and so he's, he's headlining on Friday.
1: Is it got a similar sound to Antibalis and the Fela kind of Afrobeat feel? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, It's like a nine piece ensemble. Ah, there we go. Heavy sound.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can't get an Afrobeat band with like less than eight people.
1: I'm convinced. You don't want one with less fewer than eight people. Fair enough. Yeah. Exactly.
3: Yeah. And it's a lot of the old, some of the original members from Antibalis are coming, um, old school, like Binky Griptide and. Uh, I don't know if Stu Bogey's coming, maybe, maybe, actually. I think he's such down.
0: a cool, cool dude. I almost bought a guitar off of him once.
3: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. He
0: played with, um, when he he was with, he's with the Daptone still, um, but was playing with Sharon Jones at Club Helsinki, and they just were milling about afterwards. I got to talking to him about guitars, and he's like, actually, I'm selling this Aria, and I have a weak spot for Japanese lawsuit guitars. And he sent me a picture. It was this gorgeous sunburst hollow body, like, like jazz master ripoff. Nice. And I wanted, and I had no money. <laughs> so <laughs> well, it'd be cool to have his guitar, though. I know, right? I kind of kicked myself. I really should have just figured it
1: Maybe out. Maybe he'll be playing it this uh, Friday.
3: Yeah, it's it's gonna be legit. Also on Friday, Sunken Dr- Sunken Cages and Dragon Child. That's like a duo that performs music really. Uh, based off their their uh, tradition from Ethiopia and India. And it's like this perc- uh, percussive, uh, horn-driven thing. It's a bit like Feroz Saunders meets Flying Lotus uh, with some Ethiopics thrown in. Nice. And then on Saturday, we've got uh, Senia Rubinos, who is uh, born in Hartford, uh, the daughter of Puerto Rican and Cuban uh, parents. Her music is like... Very hard to describe. It's like electronica, R&B, pop, funk, soul driven, and and it's really, I think all, all these musicians this year are coming uh, out of this place. It's, it's really immigrant music driven by the creative force of nostalgia. Chinese Mexican chef, new for America, but dig into their roots because they're here in America and they're missing something that is a part of them and they find it in the music and it's really the driving force I think for Zenia's latest release which is called Una Rosa as well as same night on Saturday we have uh, Maffer Bandola coming Uh, she is from Venezuela and she's a member of La Dama a group that I think y'all have met at Green River Festival. Yep. So she has finally moved to New York City permanently. You know, Venezuela is just a total mess. And there's a huge expat community of Venezuelans living in New York now. And one of the cool things she's done in the past year is she has created this portable community house for Venezuelan culture, specifically Coropo, which is a kind of like, a, it means party in Venezuela. And it's the traditional music there. It's very electric music. It's in six eight. It's very fast <laughs> and, and fun. It's a little like Jarocho from Mexico. Uh, and so she's bringing that project up here. It's really a unique opportunity to hear Joropo. You hardly hear it outside of Venezuela.
1: Yeah. This is like
3: the benefit of being close enough to New York where we can bring these artists who are even in New York City are sort of in this tiny underground niche. Super cool.
1: We're speaking with Ido Moore, who is the curator of Collider Fest 2, which is happening this Friday and Saturday at Bombic Center for Arts and Equity in Florence. There is another musical genre that's listed here that I don't know how to pronounce, G-Q-O-M. How do you pronounce that musical genre?
3: Oh god, this is embarrassing because I don't know how to say that either.
1: I'm gonna try to use it for Scrabble because it doesn't—it <laughs> does not have a capital letter at the front, so I think it's gonna—it's gotta be—it's gotta be allowable. But
3: is it a G silent? There's no U after the Q. Yeah, hey, where I are love you it. Seeing it's that? on
1: the Bombix website: Afrobeat, Rumba, Merengue, Horopo, oh, Ethiopian Groove.
3: Jicom? I don't know. I
1: don't know. Well, that, that's the mystery. This is what's so I, cool that you get to learn about these things that you maybe never have experienced before. <laughs> Ido, tell us a little bit about your backstory, which got you into wanting to taste music from the United Nations buffet, for lack of another better way to describe it.
3: It, it started about five years ago. I mean, I've been listening to this stuff all my life. I'm Israeli. I'm married to an Argentinian. We speak Spanish at home. I listened to music from everywhere. And I remember as a kid, I would go to the library and come home with like 20 CDs. Mm-hmm. And just from the, just like <laughs> rifling through, hearing kind of omnivorously listening to things. But five years ago, Trump was Trump was doing horrible things in this country. Can I say that? Is that? You said it. And it was just, I felt like in my own little, I was working in my glass studio, not interacting with anyone. I just felt like I had to do something that felt like it was positive and moved this country forward in a way that helped us to accept each other as opposed to hating each other. So that's kind of where I started. And as you mentioned,
1: I mean, people have, a lot of people, I mean, Mm -hmm. my parents aside maybe, and maybe people of a certain generation, are willing to experiment with foods. And it really is an amazing avenue to get to start to know a culture. It is the
0: easiest way to go about doing it, I would say.
1: And music is probably the second easiest way, but both of them are super important. But food is also going to be a That's part of right. this festival, including our tacos. guest from Friday on the show when we did our Mezcal Thunderdome. Tell us about some of the food that will be there at Bombix.
3: Oh, so we're super psyched and fortunate to have Neftali Duran back uh, making his uh, Oaxacan-inspired tacos. He is bringing the same as these artists, these musicians, he's bringing his own love for his, his home place that he holds in his heart even though he lives here. The food of Oaxaca, the food that his mom taught him to cook, uh, he's bringing all that, and he's making it for us both Friday, and Saturday, from six to nine p.m. So you can take a break from the music and grab a bite to eat. There's also uh, beer and cider that's made locally in Florence from Artifact and Building Eight. And I mean, there's a lot, so much going on, which is I think the cool thing about Bombix as a as a space is there's a lot of different rooms and areas where you can have things happen. So there's. The food, there's the drinks. There's going to be a record fair. We're going to have all kinds of workshops on Saturday. Is the
0: record that, fair going to also favor more world? I, there's no
1: I, global, international. Yeah, world has. Yeah, a Yeah, there's there's such a, a well. It's, it's just, just sort of descriptor. like it's
0: such a it's a terrible term yeah. for what encompasses everything that's not here. Yeah, like we just like we have all of this language and nothing to properly describe. The music that you find outside of the states. So I can call it international music, but that's so broad and doesn't actually encompass what we actually mean. And calling it global music is also kind of a cop out. Mm-hmm. Like it's like there's so much more to it. There's so much more nuance to it than to just call it that. Anyhow, that's that's my soapbox, <laughs> and I'm done now.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the nice thing about it is. Is we are we are like self observing that we're lacking the terminology and the understanding and we're digging deeper mm-hmm. as we're talking about it, right? Agreed. And I think the record fair is gonna have. I mean, uh, Studebaker Baker Hawk always brings. Oh yeah. Just like an insane amount of records from all over. All the over place. the place. And it's it's run by a Spin That Records from Springfield. Giovanni is bringing all his records, and there's probably about twenty other dealers. So I'm sure there'll be all kinds of things. Oh yeah. And that's out. Saturday. Saturday from 12 to 5, and that part is totally free. You don't need to buy tickets. You can just show up.
1: But if you want to go to the show, and we should mention that you're an underwriter, which we very much appreciate, but that's not why we're talking to you. No. We just, we we're, love we're talking and support to this kind of music. The people
0: that you're bringing are entirely awesome. I haven't seen either of the Bar Brothers in ages. The one state's representative <laughs> on your lineup. But yeah, the lineup enti- is so, so good.
3: But yeah, right. Brad Barr from The Slip and the Bar Brothers is opening the festival. And it, we on year one, we opened with Garth Stevenson. And it's really nice to open with just a solo performer uh, and a, kind of a more listening set, which mm-hmm. is what we, we have on Friday. It's 7 p.m.
1: But tickets are more affordable if you act now before the day of the show, right?
3: Correct. Yeah. It's always more expensive at the door. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. That's true across the board.
1: Buy your tickets in advance. Concert going has been feeling the pains since the pandemic has hit. Things aren't the same as they were in 2019. People might have been more willing to experiment with music they hadn't heard of before. So if you have any inkling in your heart to uh, be curious about music, this is a wonderful opportunity for you Mm -hmm. this Friday and Saturday. And. Putting on shows like this isn't easy, especially if you don't know how many people are going to show up, right?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's been really difficult since the pandemic, especially for something like this. It's a discovery-based festival. If you don't know anyone in the lineup, that's probably fine. Most of the people don't either. That's the whole point of Collider Fest, is to introduce you to new music.
0: It's one of the reasons why I go to Big Ears, because, like, each year I know maybe five or six people... Like that I've been following for ages, but like the amount of people that where I'm just walking into a church and oh my gosh, who's this dude on harp? Like this, and the things that you can find in places like that, like those experiences are really, really worthwhile and important to
1: important chances to take. And if you like to dance mm-hmm. and like tacos, that is reason enough to go right Yeah,
0: there. we had a chance to do it in our own backyard. I don't have to go to Tennessee for it.
3: Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> and Big Years is a total inspiration for Collider Fest, mm. amazing festival in Knoxville. Another cool thing to say about Bomb Bakes, recently they managed to put all the pews that are in the main music hall, they managed to put uh, these casters on them so they can actually roll a bunch of them out. and You nice. can more, have a dance, dance floor. More dance.
1: I love it. I was at Collider Fest last year and it was... It was lit, as the kids say. It was on fire. It was really fun, as I would say in my how own How much vernacular.
0: other old man terminology are you <laughs> going to throw out right now?
1: As much as you need! Please.
0: I don't need anymore. I'm just wondering how much I'm going to get unwarranted. I they slay. Yeah, they slay.
1: The festival last year was Mother. That's the new one that my son says all the time.
0: So, I looked up how to pronounce that musical genre that was tricky for us, and it's actually ikom. It's a Genre of electronic dance music that popped up in the early 2010s from Durban, South Africa. And it's sometimes spelled I-G-Q-O-M in order to simulate the clicks that the Zulu name naturally has
1: in the genre. Our engineer Betsy Cordes says we can't use that word in Scrabble because it is not in the official Scrabble dictionary. But we know the dictionary. Well, not only does Peter Sukolowski work here at NEPM, but we regularly talk to Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster. Merriam-Webster, which is... The official Scrabble Dictionary, so we're going to get that added. That's my
0: 2023
1: goals. (laughs) Coming up, more with Ido Moore about the business model that he borrowed from jazz and from farmers that's going to be bringing more music from around the globe to our backyards here in Western Mass. Ido Moore, who is the curator of lots of incredible concerts that happen up and down the valley and in the four counties of Western Massachusetts— is the curator for Collider Fest. You, Ito, came up with, or at least borrowed, an interesting concept when it comes to trying to encourage people to get out to shows. We were talking about how the pandemic really made people stay indoors. I don't know if it was the fear of the, the virus or just inertia that they were not able to overcome when they got used to staying at home. People haven't been coming out in the same ways as they have to shows. You borrowed a local concept and have transferred it to a new business model to try to encourage people to come out to shows. Tell us what you've done with your CSA for music.
3: Yeah, so there's someone in the Valley who many of us know and and love already, Glenn Siegel, uh, and and his wife Priscilla, who have uh, created this program already. It's called Jazz Shares, but it's just for jazz. And it's been running for 10 years, and it's essentially a season pass, or you buy a bunch of tickets, and then you can use them uh, throughout the season um, to go to shows that Glenn has curated, and you trust Glenn. So you go, and it becomes more than just uh, going to a concert. It becomes a community space as well, because you see the other members again and again, and you're accumulating these experiences together. And I thought that that was a great idea, and I thought that it would work really well for the kind of music that I've been trying to bring to Western Mass for the past several years for several reasons, the first of which is it's just really expensive to bring artists from other countries here the US has prohibitive visa requirements uh, it can cost a single individual upwards of two thousand to three thousand dollars to come play in the US so if you have a band of five people, That adds up really fast. And
1: that's just for visas. That's not for travel. That's not for for
3: for for travel. That's not for
0: anything else outside of the tour except for getting in the country.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and we're really kind of shooting ourselves in the foot with this because we're limiting our ability to connect with the rest of the world, to experience these cross-cultural moments, and to have these sort of ambassadors visit us with their sounds. Uh, So all that said, when you're communicating with an artist in a different country, if you can get them a guarantee of like two thousand dollars for the concert as opposed to what is very typical these days which is like a door deal you know you'll get 70 percent of the ticket sales you know they can't they can't come here and apply for visas with door deals so if we uh, here locally can offer them a door uh, a guarantee and around the country you have other presenters like us who are able to do the same thing usually that's performing arts centers and festivals but the more kind of local curators like myself who can give a guarantee the more likely it is that an artist from Burkina Faso or something can can come play here so that's why the model makes so much sense you need the money up front to give these artists the commitment so that they can plan their tour which happens you know six months ahead of the show and so if you're counting on last minute ticket sales a lot of good opportunities to bring cool artists here just won't happen so it's it's really a perfect model for this. Um,
1: and that's why you've called it a CSA for music, and that's why Glenn Siegel's Jazz Shares is the same thing. It's based on, kind of on the farm share model. And we <laughs> talked to so many farmers here who want you to sign up for a share early in the season. It guarantees them a certain amount of flexibility with cash so that they can get into planting season. If something terrible happens mm-hmm. weather-wise, you've still decided that you believe in this farm and this concept and want to support it, and this is the similar model here it makes it so that there's a little bit of a cushion as opposed to just sheer risk every time you want to do something like this
3: Uh that's right there's cushion and then there's also the farmer or the presenter can experiment more and and you know like i think that the farm shares are a reason why we eat more different kinds of vegetables today than we used to right because you know they snuck some kale into the box and you tried kale out and then everyone loves kale now Right, um, and I think that it could happen that way with music too. There's uh, all kinds of great stuff that in Europe, you have ten to twenty times as much arts funding in in most European countries.
0: They also have like governments that have like state arts programs that encourage that sort of community to foster. But that's neither here nor there. I say.
1: Well, I mean, it's here or there because if the government won't do it, then we, the people, I suppose, have, have, to. To, have to do it if it, it's something yeah. that we believe in. And this is an opportunity to do that. You launched this a couple months ago. And how mm-hmm. was it? How did people respond when you launched this community sponsored music program for Western Mass when it comes to borderless underground live concerts?
3: That's a it, great way to that's describe
1: how, it. It's the headline right there. I, I know, but it. it's also <laughs> wonderful. It is wonderful. <laughs>
3: borderless is good. We are borderless. We live in a borderless world now in some ways, right? Otherwise we don't. And I think that music is one way in which we can have that experience. So when I presented it, I wasn't sure how it would go, uh, but we set up a crowdfund and it was funded. We, we had $10,000 goal to do seven or eight concerts uh, in the season, which I think is gonna pay for most of that and then obviously there'll be more ticket sales. And we're at 150% now. Wow, great. The crowdfund goes until the middle of the month I think we may even have to cap membership because some of the venues that I've chosen are kind of small and I want to make sure all the members can come.
1: And that's how it works. If you buy tickets in advance, you can go to all the shows or there's different levels that people can get involved in? There's different numbers of tickets. and, then, and Yeah, then, you,
3: you kind of yeah. pick how deep you want to go, but you can get six tickets or 12 tickets. Uh, and the tickets are actually going to be these physical wooden tokens that are beautifully engraved. You'll get them in the mail. They have a little QR code on the back and you scan it and it says what the next show is. Uh, Right away that pops up. And they're also good for next season if you don't see anything you like this time around.
0: So it rolls over, and that's pretty cool,
1: too. What are some of the concerts and some of the venues you're working at with this new program? Ido Moore, who's curating and creating this CSA for music in Western Mass.
3: Well, the goal is always to have the energy in the room feel fantastic. Khaleesi knows a musician. Mm. And so, like... I can I can really f- figure out which venue works best for the artist, make sure there's enough dance room. And so we're going to be at the Williamsburg Grange Hall for our uh, launch party with Quita Penas from Los Angeles. They're like a tropical dance band. We've got actually a secret show that only members can come to, and I won't say any more about yeah. it. I'm just gonna it leave wouldn't that. be a secret
0: anymore if you did. Go get a membership if you want to find out.
3: <laughs> that's right, that's over the summer. And then our season starts with um, El Kat from Yemen and Israel. They play like uh, Yemenite street punk. With these trash built instruments they're playing at the parlor room.
1: Amazing. It's
3: gonna be yeah. awesome. That's really cool. Uh, we got from Soweto, South Africa, um, Bantu Continua Uhuru Consciousness, this seven piece ensemble. They play this trance driven Afro psychedelic anti pop music that will get you into a really nice group. Mm.
0: They're real fun. <laughs> mm. Real, real fun. And also, we got La Perla
3: coming to City Space, to the Blue Room in East Hampton. Uh, La Perla is a trio of women from Colombia. Their music is really driven by social protest, Um, boyarengue, cumbia, and sort of future folk. uh,
0: Tell me it's not happening in the summer. (laughs) That's my only question.
3: Those three shows I listed, those were like October, November. Perfect.
0: I remember being in the Blue Room when it was still the flywheel and having several, in watching shows in the summer and having several people like
1: stop their set short, going like, I, I can't. It's too, too
0: much. It's too hot. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. That's just the kind of
1: music that Ito curates. It's too hot for the room. <laughs> um, Ido Moore, if people want to get involved in this CSA for music, tell us how people can get involved before the, you put the cap on the, m- the number of members for this first season.
3: Yeah, so you could go to secretplanet.live, that's the website, and there's a link to the crowdfund at the top. Uh, you can read more about it, you can start to see what some of the artists are coming, and you can join, it's pretty easy.
0: Since you've started doing, promoting, and um, curating like this, have you gotten suggestions from folks who've been at the festivals that, or the, the shows that you've thrown of more venues to look into for more people to bring? Do people give you suggestions often?
3: It's like oh, I want. It's like oh, you should check family. out.
0: Like, have you heard these people? You should check them out. Maybe they might fit.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> like, is it you, welcome
0: or unwelcome?
3: <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's you know. It, I mean, I wish I had more time in the day to listen. And sometimes it's also about having the attention span. But sure, I mean, I feel like in in the curator seat, I gotta listen to everything and mm-hmm. and see what I think might work for people.
0: The second best way to show somebody that you like them is to share your music with them. Uh-huh. Just saying. Second, second best. Yeah, the first best is food. Okay.
3: Oh, right. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I really love food, too. I think that's where the metaphor comes over. Uh, I like to cook a lot of Israeli food, which is mostly Arabic food. If you find
0: someone to come to town and make Ethiopian food, I don't know if there is a gauge for how
3: happy I will be. Mm-hmm. You know, for this Collider Fest, we were trying to bring an Ethiopian chef for the week. And it's complicated. It's yeah. complicated. But we're going to make it happen. Like, Bombix <laughs> is great because there's a kitchen and mm-hmm. we could get people in for cooking lessons. Uh, oh, that know. would be cool too.
0: Hope's yeah, we interested. really need
3: an Ethiopian restaurant. And Tell me about it.
0: We barely have African restaurants of any region. But that's mm-hmm. another, again, another topic for another time. <laughs> yeah, <that's>
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> Ido Moore, who is the curator of Collider Fest 2, which is happening this Friday and Saturday at Bombix Center for Arts and Equity, in Florence thank you so much for coming in
3: yeah oh, thank you all. thanks for supporting live music
1: thanks for bringing like more interesting music to our
0: area because that's super important too it's nice to hear the music that doesn't sound
1: like you
3: that's right that's how we we help to become each other
1: In conjunction with Collider Fest, this Saturday, May 13th, all day down the street from Bombix in Florence at the Arts and Industry Building is a thing called Spring Thing, an interactive addition to fall open studios in the Arts and Industry Building. They are organizing
0: a scavenger hunt for the public to get to know the building and the people in it from a new vantage point. A few artists in the building have committed to creating a miniature art piece that they will hide for participants. There will be clues and instructions throughout the building for those who want to play the game. This sounds awesome. It
1: does sound awesome. It's a perfect (laughs) extra thing to do besides the record fair at Collider Fest, which is free and open to the public. You have to buy the records.
0: Yeah, I mean, and and assuming you're not like me and just like the super hyper-focused crate digger who doesn't really look (laughs) up from anything. (laughs) I get into that mode as well. Yeah, I get real into it. Coming up, a very thoughtful response to yesterday's conversation about Smith College social work and some ideas about what's happening in the next few days on what we're calling the plywood ramp to the weekend. You're listening to The Fabulous 413 on NEPM.
1: Welcome back to the fabulous four one three. I'm Monty Belmonte, and
0: I'm Kali Smith.
1: Coming up in just a couple minutes, we'll talk about a new segment that we will do occasionally called the Plywood Ramp to the Weekend, and we'll explain what that means and who it came from <laughs> uh, at that time. But yesterday on the show, you may have been listening, and we had our regular Wednesday feature with Word Nerd Emily Brewster, resident wordster from Merriam-Webster, who's going to help us get ikom. In the dictionary, maybe, along with Peter Sokolovsky, so that we can play it in Scrabble. And maybe help us get the actual click in there between the G and the Q, because it's important. It is important, and I'll keep trying. (laughs) But our conversation yesterday was about Smith College's School of Social Work and Office deciding to no longer use the word field. And I got a great comment from my friend and uh, Kung Fu training partner, Alice Barber, from East Hampton. When Alice and I train in Kung Fu together, we refer to ourselves as... Malice. Monty and Alice. (laughs) Alice says, I just listened to the field part of yesterday's broadcast. Haven't gotten to veto yet. She's from East Hampton, after all, and wanted to mention something that is not getting nearly the attention as the word itself. I'll use my grad therapy students as an example. My students do a total of 750 hours of, quote, field work over three semesters. I'd estimate that 99 percent of this work is unpaid labor. The agencies for which they work can bill insurance companies and make money for the therapy. But the students are not compensated for their work often with the most marginalized communities among us, many trauma survivors, suicidal, etc. So the students then need to take out more student loans just to live and eat, compounding interest for a profession that doesn't pay enough to pay them back. Because between the, quote, field work and demand of classes, time for another job is limited and the pressure is overwhelming. Student loans have horrendously high interest rates and students are not allowed to file for bankruptcy like corporations can or holders of credit cards so many of us are quite shackled, intentional use of that word, to our educational experience. So to call it field work may actually be accurate to what it is, unpaid labor. For what it's worth, in my program at Springfield College, the early work is called practicum, the later work is called internship. Some places are working to change this and actually pay interns, so there's definitely a movement to do it differently. And to be clear, Alice continues, I'm in favor of the name change and think that it needs to happen alongside looking at all the other issues. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. It
1: does make a lot of sense. And so a knee-jerk reaction to just saying, what? You don't want to say fieldwork anymore when you hear it put in context like that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's uh, such a bad idea.
3: Or
0: perhaps it's just removing it from like the actuality of what that work looks like. Yeah.
1: To distance yourself from what's happening. Right, well... Hopefully the actual changes happen, not just the changes in language. Also pay your intern.
0: Because you're an
2: intern. I, why, why,
1: yeah, pay your intern. <laughs> Get paid for the work that you do. Seriously. It is a uh, a settled law in the court of Judge John Hodgman. Shameless plug. I'm on this week's episode of the <laughs> Judge John Hodgman Podcast. A summertime fun time guest bailiff.
0: Throwing out all the Monty things. Monty
1: Belmont. Well, he shamelessly plugged our show. So
0: I think that's it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, fair. no, we it's appreciate that. It's
1: a great that. and fun podcast to be a part of. Uh, Another big story that we will continue to follow and that you've been probably hearing from the NEPM News Department comes from the Amherst Regional High School newspaper called The Graphic. The and
0: frankly, just like kudos to those student reporters for putting this article out. It was a collaborative effort, but like just the quality of work in their reporting is enough to make
1: you go out and read it. And I hope that you will. Um, the headline says it's life or death, failure to protect trans kids at Amherst Regional Middle School, a systemic problem. The article goes on to talk about two of the guidance counselors that um, may have been using their born again evangelical Christian ideology to discourage kids who identify as trans or LGBTQ. Now, there is an article in Mass Live today saying that this is false, that they did talk to two of the guidance counselors there. Um, we've been in touch with the newspaper and uh, sort of through their advisor with the kids. For obvious reasons, they don't want to come on the show. Yet, But we're hoping that uh, sometime soon we'll be able to talk to them because, A, really brave and important to Mm -hmm. try to stand up for your fellow students. B, it seems like it's extremely well done journalistically as well. And uh, we had heard about this story a few weeks ago, couldn't get anybody to go on the record, but these kids did the digging in their own community and have put this uh, excellent piece in what's called the graphic together. So we hope to have them on sometime soon. And
0: for people out there who are generally not believing what the kids are saying about their counselors, I would suggest that you go out and see the piece Mother Tongue done by previous guests of the show, the performance group, which includes a segment on stage of things that teachers have said to that group of students that they enact. And it is
1: harrowing. So, And that brings us to the plywood ramp to the weekend, which is Thursdays. Thursdays are like a plywood ramp to the weekend, where it's not quite the weekend, but you need a little bit of boost to get that next step to the weekend. Throw down a plywood ramp. And, and maybe the... you don't know what your plans are, and we yeah. can be happy with that. And to the best of our knowledge, I got this through my friend Kelsey Flynn, who says she got it from a man named Jeff Hobbs in Hatfield. Uh, who coined this term. But if you were looking for something to do this weekend and you wanted to see the performance project and First Gen's Mother Tongue, it is Saturday at 6 p.m. at the United Congregational Church of Holyoke. If you were a listener to the show a long time uh, for a while, we haven't even been on a long time. Um, they were here in the studio. They were performing a, a spoken word piece uh, from the project. It's powerful. I've seen it at the uh, the Shea a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's just one of the many things that you could do this weekend. Including
0: Collider Fest, which we did talk about. Lee Fields is at
1: the Drake in Amherst, so there's lots of music for you to see all over the place. Pioneer Valley Symphony doing Mozart's Mass in C minor. Indeed. Hartford N- Symphony, doing Mendelssohn's taking flights. So. Nero doing their piece at the Shea. That's correct, but I didn't want to shamelessly plug it as I'm the president <laughs> of the board there, but I'm
0: unpaid. <laughs> they were on the show earlier. We're That's just true. we're plugging previous guests.
1: Yeah, so we're gonna, you know, wanna give you a quick rundown when we can about the fun things that are happening. Uh,
0: there's a plant sale happening at a, the Berkshire Botanical Garden. Yeah,
1: I think I may be getting some. Oh no, I better not say that out loud because Mother stays coming up. Yeah, a, well, I mean, does well, your wife? See, my wife listen to the doesn't show? listen to the show, so it's totally fine. And now I'm
0: like, oh no, can can she hear us? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tomorrow oh in the fabulous four hundred and thirteen. <laughs> Segways, segways. Segways, segways. Yeah, well, thank you for the plywood. Oh, one thing I wanted to to mention, though. If you want to know what to do, apart from us getting to this segment or not, um, Culture To Do, you can sign up for the Culture To Do email that comes out through uh, New England Public Media. Just go to nepm.org. Tomorrow, in the fabulous 413, for Live Music Friday... We'll take you to a rehearsal of the Happy Valley Guitar Orchestra. And a musical bonus with
3: UMass
0: professor Felipe Sales, who has a new album that tackles the issue of immigration sonically.
1: And for our own plywood ramp to the weekend, we'll head back into the wine bunker deep below State Street Fruit Store, Deli Wines and Spirits, the birthplace of our wine, Thunderdome.
0: Our director is Tony, I drown my sorrows in mall Chinese, done. Our engineer is Betsy,
1: 49 minutes and 28 seconds, Cordis.
0: 30 seconds.
1: Our technical team is Bart, insert quote here, Rankin. Kara, <laughs> I need a raise. No, I just need a vacation foster. And Merry Christmas, Santa Dubé. Musical thanks to Spouse, Happy Valley Guitar
0: Orchestra, the Jay Giles Band. Amayo, Sunken Cages, and Dragon Child, Pajarillo,
1: Tejeda, Zenia Rubinos. Kita Penas, El Cat, Bantu Continua Uhuru Consciousness, and La Perla. I'm Kali Smith. And I'm Monty Dalmati. We'll see you
0: tomorrow on The Fabulous 413.